This is episode number 83 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. absolutely eliminate public speaking fear this podcast is the answer here's the guy who literally wrote the book on fearless presentations doug stannard welcome to the fearless presentations podcast i'm doug stannard ceo of the leaders institute and fearless presentations and this is the podcast that helps people just like you become more confident and poised presenters and speakers This is podcast number 83, and on this episode, I'm going to talk about glossophobia. That's that's basically a fancy word for public speaking fear or a phobia associated with public speaking fear. And so, uh, if you, in fact, if you do a Google search, you're going to see a lot of different statistics about how much of the population has this fear. And on this episode, I'm going to kind of break it down as to how common this fear really is and what's the difference between a fear and a phobia. And I'm also going to give you some really simple things that you can do, whether you're just having a little bit of public speaking fear and you want to reduce that nervousness, or if you actually have a full-blown phobia. So we'll, we'll kind of talk about that on the podcast. So the podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. And, and by the way, um, We've got. I mean, we've we've had a tremendous amount of success recently, especially as a result of the podcast, just kind of filling up the classes that we that we've been offering. And, and just so you know, we we've been teaching the fearless presentations classes for the better part of twenty years. And at the beginning of this year, we did one of our more recent updates, or the most recent update anyway, where we've we've kind of uh, taken the the fearless presentations class and made it even more modern really honed it toward the things that are most common, the challenges that are most common in public speaking today. And we've had just a tremendous success. And so we're getting such great feedback from the folks who are coming through our classes. We we, we have folks that are going through our classes and then at the end of it saying, oh my gosh, you know, we, we, we need to have you guys come in and do one of these for our company or do, t- you know, 10, 15, 20 of these things for our company. So been really busy. And um, so if you are interested in attending any of our two-day fearless presentations class. I'm going to give the schedule to you, but just so you know, these things are filling up really, really quickly now. So we're we're um, starting to add more and more classes so that we can keep up with the, with the demand. But uh, if you really want to get in any one of these classes, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com and sign up right away. So uh, the ones that we have coming up in the very near future anyway that still have space available are going to be Charlotte, San Antonio, Houston, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, Philadelphia, Columbus, New York, Detroit, New Orleans, and Nashville. And I think I got word on Thursday or Friday of last week that I think that the New Orleans class, which is one of the locations that we kind of just added to the schedule, I think it's almost full. So if you're in or around New Orleans and you want to get into that class, you want to make sure and register you know, fairly quickly because I think we're, we're running out of spaces in that particular class. And don't forget, we conduct the private classes for groups of people with as few as five people. You can you can actually do a a, a very effective public speaking class that's pretty cost effective and we can really customize for it. So, so for details about any of this stuff, just go to fearlesspresentations.com. So let's get on with today's podcast. So the title of 
today's podcast is how to overcome glossophobia. And the way that I've kind of defined that is an irrational fear of, of public speaking. So if you want to know how to overcome that glossophobia, that nervousness, if, if stage fright sometimes you know makes you pass up opportunities in your career, if either of those things are kind of happen to you, then, then just kind of keep in mind that you're not alone. This is a fairly normal kind of fear. And we'll, we'll kind of go into why this is a normal fear and why this is really common. And and we'll talk about some of the the um, statistics that that are kind of out there. I, I've, I've had to hone through a lot of opinion in order to come up with true statistics. And and hopefully I'll be able to share that with you. Because I've, I it, when I first started doing public speaking training, I just kind of relate statistics that I'd gotten from other sources you know, basically quoting somebody was quoting somebody else. And in the first few years, I never really kind of did any research myself. I just took, you know, what my mentor had told me as as being the truth. And at, at that time, basically what um, that my mentor was telling me was that 90 percent of of the people in the world have some type of public speaking fear. And then the old Seinfeld joke was was out there as well. And on the book of list book, of, the book of list had the the fear of public speaking as the number one fear in in the world and the fear of dying was number five you know so the old Seinfeld joke was that you're five times more likely to want to be in the casket than up giving the eulogy but the when I soon somewhere along the way though I was like you know what I've I've seen so many different statistics I've seen different when I'm reading and I, I see different types of statistics out there. What is actually true? And what and I actually did a podcast on this not too long ago, and uh, it, it's called How to Scare the Gooey Out of a New Presenter. So if you want to kind of learn about the statistics and where they came from and what the true statistics are, you can kind of go back and listen to that podcast or go on to fearlesspresentations.com and pull up the, the show notes from, from that particular page. But I'll give you the quick summary. What Basically, what I kind of figured out was that about 10 percent of the population has no fear, pretty much no fear at all about public speaking. And you got about 10% of the population that has some type of actual phobia, meaning that they will avoid public speaking at all costs because it's such a traumatic experience to them. And then the the rest of the 80% of us are somewhere in the middle in those two extremes. And, and so when when we're talking about fear and phobias, it's all basically relative. You know, for for some people, that fear might be pretty dramatic. It might be more toward the phobia side, and for for others of us, it might be more on just the hey, I'm I'm pretty comfortable, but but I only get nervous in certain situations. And regardless of which one of those extremes that you kind of fall on, the tips that we're going to cover at the end of the podcast will will really help. But let me just kind of start out by defining what exactly is glossophobia. So interestingly, there's really no definition of this phobia in most dictionaries. So it's one of those things. Apparently, it's some kind of made up word that psychologists have have kind of done. Um, the term really comes from psychology articles more than any place else. And in those articles, the most common answer to the definition of glossophobia is just basically the fear of public speaking, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because if, if, if we use this definition, then I would guess that pretty much 100% of the, 100% of the population has this phobia, which doesn't seem very accurate to me, but that's the, that's the definition that most of these articles are using. So the reason why, um, 
that even the, the reason why I kind of say that uh, pretty much 100 percent of the population it, it would have this phobia if that were the case is that even top professional speakers are going to get nervous in such situations. For instance, I, I give you an example from my own personal experience because I don't consider myself to be um, fearful at all of public speaking anymore. I've been I just been doing it so long that it becomes kind of second nature to me. But even me, even as as much experience as I've had speaking in front of a group, I'll find myself in situations that are going to be more nerve wracking. Uh, for instance, a few years back, I got nominated for a marketing award award from an association for professional public speakers. So I was one of six that were there 300 people that were invited to the conference. And, and there were six of the 300 of us that were uh, nominees for this marketing award. And the person who was organizing the conference thought it would be a really good idea to have, since we were supposed to be fantastic marketers and good speakers, the, to have each one of the six of us come up on stage and try to prove to the audience why we should get the award, which sounded like a lot of fun. When when the person organizing the meeting kind of brought this to my attention, I thought, man, that what a cool thing to do. That that sounds like it would be pretty fun. And then a couple of weeks before I was supposed to speak before the conference, I, I got a list of the 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 other five people who were nominees with me. And I started looking. And one of the things that kind of hit me right off the bat was that I was the only one out of the six that was speaking about public speaking fear. And I kind of noticed that because I'm now speaking to my peers, people who are other, everybody in the audience was going to be another professional speaker. The, the, you know, my nerves kind of started getting to me. So I started getting nervous. And then, and then uh, the more nervous that I started to get, the more I started to realize that, holy crap, you know what, if I get on that stage, these are professional speakers. If I get on stage and I'm the only one of the six that speaks on public speaking fear. And if I get up and I look anywhere at all more nervous than the other five people, then my my career's over. And when that hit, I mean, all of a sudden my, my nervousness kind of shot through the roof. And so we all find ourselves in situations where we're going to be nervous. The, the definition that I like to use, though, for glossophobia is it's not really just fear of public speak, speaking. It's kind of an irrational fear of, pub, of fear of public speaking. And, and so I, I'll kind of go through that in, in a little bit more detail about where that comes from. Um, it, it, I, the way that I like to kind of, in fact, basically, when I was doing some research, I found a, a woman who wrote an article on the Internet. Um, her name is Dr. Louise Fritcher. And basically what she said about phobias, she wasn't really talking specifically about glossophobia, but what she was talking about was the difference between a normal fear and phobia. She said fear is very common and it's a healthy part of life. And in fact, fear plays an important role in keeping us from entering into harmful situations. And it helps us decide when to get out of a situation that's not necessarily the best for us. And under normal situations or under normal circumstances, fear can be managed through reason and logic. And it, it, it doesn't really take over our lives and it doesn't cause us to become irrational. A phobia, however, twists the normal fear response into something that is persistent and difficult or impossible to control. So uh, and by the way, I put a, a link to to um, this article in the show notes. So if you want to kind of read up on phobias, you can you can you can click the um, the link to the show in the show notes and it'll take you uh, to a little bit more detail. So if we use the definition of a phobia to describe what glossophobia is, it, it would be the fear since since um, the the um, the original definition the, that that we came across the fear of public speaking, since it doesn't really work, a better definition might be 
an irrational fear of public speaking that is difficult or impossible for the sufferer to control. So if you kind of think about the, the phobia part of public speaking fear as being in those terms, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of explain the difference between the two the two types. So, um, by the way, it, it, so the the way that you define that phobia will kind of determine which statistics that you're looking at on the internet that are true. So, for instance, if you're going with the original definition, which is just this fear of public speaking, then it's going to be really high. It could be 75, 85, 90%, 95%, 100% of people that that will experience some type of fear of, of public speaking. If you're going more on the phobia side, you might be looking more at 7 to 25% of the, of the population. So regardless of where you fall in there, though, the, the tips that I'm going to cover in the next few minutes can be really helpful. So how do you overcome glossophobia? How do you how do you overcome this irrational fear of, of public speaking? So realize that some stage fright is is it's both normal and natural. So if you don't have some some type of stage fright in, in certain situations, something might be actually wrong with you there, too. So so step one in reducing presentation jitters is to realize that public speaking fear in and of itself or the, I'm sorry, public speaking in and of itself, the, 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 the process of standing up in front of a group and speaking it is actually has fear built into the design. So it, I typically, by the way, I typically spend I, probably the first, a big part of the first hour of our public speaking class is kind of describing this and kind of explaining this to people. Because a lot of times when folks come through a public speaking class, when they, when they take the time to actually go through a class, one of the things that they've come to the realization of on their own is that, God, I'm the only one that feels this fear. I'm the only one that that's nervous. Everybody else that gets up to speak is doing really well. And why is it only me that is experiencing this fear? And so it's one of the things that I spend a little bit of time on in the early stages of, of the of the class. And, um, you know, for instance, this is the reason why I say that public speaking in and of itself has the the high potential for fear is because if you think about it, if public speaking is a skill, if it's something that we have to learn how to do, we don't come out of the womb being a good presenter. If it's something that we have to learn, it's just like any other skill. So think about anything that you've ever done in your life that took you more than, let's just say, arbitrarily a week to learn how to do. So let's say, for instance, learning to ride a bicycle. That probably took more than a week. Learning to drive a car probably took more than a week. Learning how to work a computer effectively probably took more than a week. Learning um, how to how to fire a gun, you know, if you're if you're a, if you if you're into marksmanship or weapons or something like that. I mean, any of those kind of things. Those are kind of things that take time to get skilled at. Those are things that take a lot of practice in order to get skilled at. Each one of those things that I mentioned before, though, each one of those things in that list that I just gave you, those are things that you can actually go out on your own and practice those things in private and get better at them. So if you want to get better at riding a bicycle, you can go practice by yourself or with a parent or with a, a single coach or a mentor. If you're going to drive a car, go out and practice in a parking lot, either by yourself or with a parent. You know, it's it, the the types of situations that we find ourselves in when we're practicing those things are, are private. Public speaking, however, is totally different because the absolute very first time that we stand up to do it, we're, we have an audience. It's 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 totally different from some of these other skills. And as a result, that's one of the reasons why people have more nervousness about public speaking than some of these other skills. And it's very natural. 
So think about it, it, going back to any of those other examples, what would have happened if when you were five or six years old, what would have happened if the if the entire elementary school was out watching you take your first attempts at getting on a bicycle and every time you fell over, they pointed and laughed at you? Or if the entire high school was was um, watching you learn to drive a car for the first time, though, that would that would increase the nervousness associated with those those activities pretty dramatically. So if you once you understand that, it's a whole lot easier to to. Uh, take that irrational fear that we sometimes fear feel with public speaking and and logically understand where it's coming from. If you can logically understand where it's coming from, it, it's not as debilitating to us. So the second thing that you want to do is you want to identify the actual cause of the the fear that you're experiencing. It, it's much easier to overcome a fear if you can identify what has actually caused it. So one of the things that our presentation instructors will do when we consult with a client for the first time or we start a presentation class is we try to get the client or the students in the class to identify what the cause of that fear is. Most often the cause, it might just be lack of experience. Now, for instance, you know, if we if we only drive a car once every two years, then every time we get behind the wheel, we're going to be pretty nervous. The reason why most of us feel pretty comfortable driving a car after a few years of, of practice is that we do it every day or at least pretty consistently throughout throughout a week. So it's not something that we do once and then we don't do it again for weeks or months or, or in some situations, years. And so that's one of the things that will kind of cause the nervousness more than more than anything else that we find in the class. Now, there are other things, though, that are a little bit different and they are the things that are more likely to lead to a phobia. So if you're if you're in that first category where the reason why I have the fears is because I just don't have enough practice. I've never been taught how to do it. Then, then going to a class like ours can be fantastic because it can help you get a lot of practice in a very short period of time, really boost the confidence up. It works pretty much 100% of the time in those kind of situations. If it's a phobia, it might be a little bit more difficult though. So if you can understand the um, the cause of that phobia, it makes it a little bit easier to, to fix it though. So some of the things that can be a little bit more challenging than just lack of experience might be a bad prior experience speaking in front of a group. So, and this is what that outside of the lack of practice is the one that is absolutely the most common when folks come through our class. In fact, most of the time, this bad past experience is memorable enough that the people can kind of tell us fairly quickly what happened. And a lot of times it might even be recent. You know, somebody gets up and at, at work and and gives a presentation that just doesn't really go well. And so that's kind of fresh on their mind. And as a result, they'll end up coming through a class. In some situations, that bad prior experience might have happened years or sometimes even decades earlier. But when um, the, the thing about this particular thing is that many of these situations occur when the person is asked to speak on a topic without any preparation or um, other situations might be where the person speaks successfully for years and years and years. And then out of the blue, something just totally out of the ordinary happens that destroys the person's confidence. So for a few, the, the, the bad experience 
happened at a very early age and that person has just been avoiding presentations his or her entire life. So and if that is the cause of your public speaking fear, if you can identify back to a trigger, a situation that occurred, then then it's a lot easier now to overcome that because one bad experience doesn't says that doesn't necessarily mean that you're bad at a skill. So we can kind of help with that to the, the in fact that's one of the easier things that we can, easier types of phobias that we can kind of help people solve in our classes. Because if it is really just one bad experience, when they go through one of our classes, we're going to string together a series of successes. We're going to have a success after success after success after success after success of public speaking public speaking situations anyway. And when that happens, then the confidence just kind of goes to the roof. Those things will negate that prior bad experience. And, and we kind of hear that a lot as people go through our classes. Another trigger or another cause might be what is either called either low self-confidence or low self-esteem. And although most of us who experience this type of, of trigger find it difficult to admit that we have this, this low confidence or low self-esteem, it's, it's actually really common. And a lot of times the, um, the, the trigger for this or the, the situation that, that causes this type of, of fear or phobia it, a lot of times it's well-meaning parents, well-meaning coworkers, well-meaning manager who are trying to help us get better at public speaking. And as a result, they offer us constructive criticism to, to try to help us fix that that challenge that we're having. And, and by the way, this actually happened to me. This was one of the reasons why I became a public speaking coach was because I actually ended up when I was in college going through a, a public speaking class. Now, prior to going through this public speaking class in college, I feel pretty comfortable. I mean, I was not a a really outgoing person per se. Uh, I wasn't, but I wasn't a nervous type person. I, 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 I feel like I could carry myself well if I had to get up and speak in front of a group. And, and in fact, when I got up to give my first presentation in this class, I ended up getting a 94 on my, on my, on my first presentation. So it was an A, I had an A, but the technique that the, the presentation coach was using or the, the teaching assistant, the, T, the TA or whatever it was in college, what the technique that she was using was she wanted to make sure that we were improving every time. So she offered constructive criticism after every one of the speeches. And so the second time, six weeks later that I got for four weeks later, anyway, when I got up to give my second speech, uh, I was focusing more on the criticism, trying to fix the challenge that she had had identified. And I ended up getting an 84 on the second presentation. Did the same thing the third time, four weeks later. I did a third presentation and I got a 74. So I ended up making a B in the class. But in in my head, though, what I was experiencing was that every time I get up to give a presentation, I get worse. And so the um, all of a sudden, my my confidence would, had taken a big hit. Now, like I said, I don't think I would have considered myself even at that point as being a low confidence kind of person, a low self-confidence kind of person. But in the area of public speaking, I, I didn't feel nearly as confident after going through that class as what I did prior to going through it. And, and a lot of people experience that. It may not be a formal class, but it might be maybe they went through a toasting club or a Toastmasters or something like that. And the, 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 some of the folks in that, that group were more critical than what you might like. Or maybe they took a, uh, maybe they, we've had a boss or a supervisor that's giving us that constructive criticism, trying to help us. And, and after a series of those situations where we're getting criticized, 
then it can really harm our confidence. And so that's one of those triggers that can that can cause uh, public speaking fear or a public speaking phobia anyway. Um, the third thing that we've kind of identified, a third category anyway, for the causes of these this type of fear is an unresolved trauma. So when a traumatic event occurs, especially if it's at an early age, the person experiencing that trauma can develop an unreasonable fear of that experience. So, and I'll give you a good example of this and how how sometimes things unrelated to a past challenge with public speaking can actually cause us to be nervous when we stand up and, and speak in front of a group as well. So, I had a woman in my class years ago who um, had she, she had been avoiding public speaking for over forty years. It, she was in her well, I guess mid forties, I guess. And she, what she told me was that when she was really young, she was um, five years old. She had a singing, she was in a singing recital. It might've been at her, at her elementary school. I don't remember the details about it, but basically what happened was when she got up to in front of the group to sing and with the microphone, her voice cracked and all of a sudden she just stopped. And when she, when the, her voice cracked and she stopped, some of the other kids that were that were in the audience, they kind of they laughed. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't like a, a belly laugh or anything like that, but I'm sure that the awkwardness probably caused the kids to to laugh. And and in humiliation, she ran off the stage and never went back. So it was one of those things that when when you're a young kid like that and you're really concerned about fitting in with with the crowd and fitting in with a group and you have one of those things that you consider to be a very humiliating experience it can cause a, a, a trauma that can last sometimes for years and years and years and um, incidentally when when she went through my class um, she she uh, after she'd gone through my public speaking class she called me up just out of the blue I was probably about a year or so later and she mentioned how since she had gone through the class, she had spoken six times in front of really big groups. The last time that she had spoken, and the reason for her calling me was that she had gotten up in front of over a thousand people at a at a big convention, and and been one of the guest speakers. And she said it was just a flawless delivery. And she said that she would not have been able to do that if she hadn't had first confronted that fear that had been stalking her for the last forty years. So, it can happen. So we, those those kind of things can really cause some some extreme nervousness that cause us to to um, irrationally not put ourselves out on the on on the podium at all. So the last one, the last category is an extreme fear of loss. So this this fear occurs when we feel like we've we've uh, we've got a chance of losing something if we fail in the presentation. So and this could be. Let's say that one of these people is a manager and has been promoted to a management or a leadership position within their organization and fears like if he or she gets up in front of a group and fails or, or doesn't have a great experience that they're going to lose their job or they're going to be demoted or something like that. Or um, I've, I've actually I've seen this fear occur quite often when we have a big potential contract. So let's say uh, a, an entrepreneur, or a company, a big company has a has a has the potential for a, a huge contract and it causes so much nervousness that there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves that it can be a little debilitating. So, um, and it, 
And, and by the way, it could be anything like that. If we feel like we have something to lose, then we're less likely to feel comfortable in that in that position. So just kind of keep that in mind. If you're if you're experiencing any of those types of of or if you've had any of those triggers occur or if you're experiencing any of those things, then um, there are certain things that you can do that will help you eliminate the symptoms of, of glossophobia or symptoms of these of this presentation fear. One of the things that we always suggest people do is start small. So you, you don't, the old adage is, you know, you know how to eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? So you don't have to go out and give a phenomenal, big, high, high uh, um, pressure presentation, just kind of start small. So one of the things that I always encourage people to do if they're feeling this, this type of phobia, especially is to look for some situation where you can, you can speak more often without a lot of pressure. So it might be just speaking up in a staff meeting, or it could be speaking up in church or in, in Sunday school or something like that at church or joining a social organization like a Rotary club or Lions club or Kiwanis or something like that. In those situations, if you if you um, if if you let's say for instance that you pick the staff meeting as some place where you want to kind of practice this skill, if you're the type of person that never ever ever speaks up in a staff meeting, then kind of set a goal to to uh, to um, speak more in that situation. So you might just say, you know what, at the next staff meeting, I'm just going to speak up once. You do that, you've accomplished the goal, and then the next time, hey, I want to try to speak up a couple of times. I want to, I want to, kind of, I want to add to that. So you basically are, are continuing to grow every time you do one of these things. A second, um, second situation there, second way that you can reduce this nervousness pretty dramatically is to look for opportunities to present, and then be courageous when you go and present in those situations. So you're never going to conquer any fear if you simply avoid the situation altogether. So instead, look for opportunities to speak where the consequences of that failure is pretty low. For instance, you can offer to speak at a career day at your kid's school or something like that. I mean, if you if you absolutely just totally bomb the presentation at career day, nobody's going to remember. But the kids, the, the kids have, you know, really short memories and it's not really that big because there's no there's really no consequence for me not performing well in that situation. I didn't lose a big contract. I didn't get fired. You know, none of those kind of things can happen. So so um, all we have to do is have just a little bit of success in situations like that. It'll help us. It'll help us build um build um, confidence pretty dramatically. Hey, by the way, if you, um, if you, if, if you want to kind of know a, or understand a, a process about the difference between self-confidence and courage or self-confidence and poise, I wrote about this and we did a, we did a podcast on this called seven qualities of a great speaker. And you can, I'll put the link to that in the show notes that you can go and access that because the, those are the first two things that we talked about of aspects of a really good speaker. Self-confidence is having a series of successes under your belt so that so that the next time you go out and do something, that it, it's easier because I've had a series of successes. Whereas poise or courage is where we don't have the successes yet, but we go out and we do it anyway, knowing that that um, if we succeed in that situation, it's going to increase our confidence. And so two totally different things, but they work kind of hand in hand. So the neat thing about looking for opportunities like this where the pressure is really low is that it does both. It helps you experience that courage to face your fear and, and do it anyway. But it also 
helps you build that self-confidence over time because the more of those successes that you string together, the more comfortable you're going to be. Now, this is one of the things that we 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 do as public speaking coaches when folks go through our fearless presentations class, but it's the kind of thing that you can do on your own if you if if you kind of take the time to do it. And that's the third thing is you want to document what you did well. So after each one of those situations, whether you're just speaking up at the staff meeting or whether you're um, going to speak at your, your, your kid's career day or whatever it is, you're speaking up in Sunday school. After you do that or after you give a presentation, you want to identify what did you do in that specific situation where you where you succeeded? What was it about that particular presentation that made it made it a success for you? Um, so so basically what I, what I mean by our instructors do this automatically is that when we start one of our public speaking classes, when we, we typically will assign a presentation and make it very simple. Then we show the people in the audience how to do it. We'll let them practice it a little bit and then we have them get up and, and speak. So, I mean, that's really the only way that you can overcome that fear is to actually get up and speak. But what's different from what we do versus what other public speaking classes do is that when our when our customers, when our our class members, when they stand up to speak, they've got that coach in the room that's helping make sure that they succeed. There's absolutely no way in the world that the person can fail because we're going to coach you as you go to help you succeed. And then after you sit down, we're going to tell you what what about that presentation? What did they do? What did you do that was really effective? And what happens is now that you can string a series of those those successes together, it helps you boost your confidence pretty dramatically. Now, you don't necessarily have to have a professional coach to build up this confidence. It's just faster if you have a professional coach. But if you want to do it on your own, you have to kind of kind of calm the inner critic because we are our own worst critic. And after every, after you give a presentation or after you give a speech or after you speak in one of these situations I'm talking about that I talked about before, most likely our inner critic will kind of pop in and say, oh, God, I sucked at this, 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 and this. And you have to kind of fight that and focus on the thing that you did well, focus on the thing that you did right, and then build on those successes. Whatever you did right, do that again. Whatever you think you did wrong will start to kind of diminish over time. The absolute best way, by the way, to overcome one of these phobias or to diminish this phobia is to practice in a controlled environment. So that's one of the reasons why the, the fearless presentations classes work so well, is that if you want a faster way to, to really conquer glossophobia, it's it's important to kind of get in a controlled environment, someplace where you really can't fail. So one of the great things about being in a, a class or a workshop is that the risk of failure is reduced to just about zero. It makes it to where every single person in that room is geared toward the same goal, helping us get better at speaking in front of a group. And so the the and the only way to really conquer glossophobia or any other phobia really is to have, is to string together a series of successes, and and that series of successes now outweighs whatever the negative is that that's in our mind. So if if we've had one negative experience, sometimes just a couple of positive experiences will outweigh that. If, however, we're we're we know that we're it, the the types of presentations that we're giving are really pressure packed, and we have to series we have to string together a, a much longer series, then a class like this can be really really helpful. So if you if you are interested in overcoming public speaking fear, or if you've kind of gone to the point where you're you're kind of seeing this as a phobia, it's keeping you from from accomplishing 
certain things in your life or your career, then I would encourage you to kind of go to fearlesspresentations.com. Look at our upcoming schedule. Go take a class because that is the fastest, easiest way to really eliminate this fear or nervousness. So go to fearlesspresentations.com. Look for information about our upcoming class schedule and we can help you. So thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.